Alright, if you have your Bibles this morning, open them up to Romans uh, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And turn to a few, few scriptures in your Bibles this morning, so I have them ready. Romans chapter 8, we'll begin there. You know, in the, in the secular world, uh, folks talk about their position, uh, you know, their title. They value that position in an organization or in a business. And, and folks uh, compete. They compete for position. And many times folks desire a different position. And they assume that, uh, you know, that, that there's a better position. They hope for a better position. You know, you may be a, a CEO or a COO or a C. FO or a CMO, you may be a chairman or a vice chairman, a president or a vice president, a director or a general manager, a manager or assistant manager. My favorite, of course, is a CBS, which is the chief bottle scrubber. And uh, you definitely want to work your way out of that position, the chief bottle scrubber. But when we talk about our position in Christ, when we talk about us being in the body of Christ, in our position in Christ. And by the way, we believe here at Wellspring that our eternal position is far greater than any temporal or earthly position that we could hold, don't we? That our ter- eternal position is, is far greater. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. When we talk about a position, I don't know, but there is not a better position that you could think of than being a child of God. Being a son or a daughter in God. He says in Galatians, the Bible says in Galatians 3.26, For ye are all children of God by faith. And then he says this, In Christ Jesus. In Christ. Hey, if you're here this morning and you're, you're, you've received that good news of salvation, let me just say your position in Christ is a child of God. And you may say, well, in the body of Christ, in Christ, uh, is there different positions? Uh, different positions that I could uh, attain to in the body of Christ? The answer is simply no. But you're a child of God. You're joint heirs with Christ, the Bible says. You're one with Christ. Uh, there, you, you can't get any better than that. You can't get any higher than that. There's not... The Bible tells us that Christ has a name that's above every name of things in heaven and things in earth. When we become joint heirs with Christ, when we become one with Christ, there is no position. That's good news, isn't it? Our position in Christ, no greater title. You know what? You know what it means to be a child of God. You know what it means to be in Christ. It means to be family. It means to be family and. And this position that we have, this position that we have in Christ, unlike many positions in the secular world, this does not come through hard work. This comes because of a birthright. When you're born into Christ, when you're born again into Christ Jesus, 
Your position is now a birthright. As a child of God, as His child, you receive all the blessings, all the protection, all the great and wonderful things that comes with being in the family. You turn to Romans chapter 8, look at verse 15. Wonderful promises in the Bible here. Romans 8 verse 15. The Bible says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry, Abba, Father. You know, there's a spirit in us when we receive that Holy Spirit that, that cries out to the Father. Well, you know who your Father is once you've received that spirit. He says in verse 16, The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You may say, how do I know if I'm a child of God? How do I know if I'm His, if I, ha- if I have the greatest position in the world? How do I know that? Simple. You have His Spirit. You have His Spirit. You have His Spirit in you. He gives it to you. And that Spirit in there, you know, sometimes when we, when we sing those songs, those praises to God, those praises to Christ, does the Spirit every, every now and again inside just kind of well up and say, man, he's my father. Boy, he is good to me. He is all I need. That's the spirit inside bearing witness with the father. That's eternal. That's, that's supernatural. He says in verse 17, this is the promise. Verse 17. Hey, this is a promise in God's word for you. That's what the Bible, the Bible's so wonderful because it's full of promises for you. For you. He says in verse 17, and if children... Then heirs of God. Let that sink in for a second. Heirs of God. Wow. And joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Verse 18, Paul says this. And Paul knew what it was to suffer for the name of Christ. He says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Paul says, Hey, as a joint heir of Christ, as a child of God, as my future inheritance, as one with Christ in God. He says, anything that I go through down here shouldn't even be compared to the glory that God has for me in eternity. As a child, your position in Christ, a son or a daughter. By the way, you can't get, that's, that's the best. Isn't it? To be, to be born into it. Again, I said, you didn't have to work for this position. And you can't lose it. Once you're born of, 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 of God, you're born into the family. You're his child. What good news. When we see our position there, this, let me ask you this question. As we recognize our position as a child in the family of God, will that affect your mindset? Will that affect your walk then? Will that affect uh, your outlook for the future? We can live in the blessings that He has given to us and accept it. We all know the story of Jacob and Esau, right? Where Jacob, the Bible says, he dis- uh, excuse me, where Esau says that he despised his birthright. 
And the Bible says that he went for earthly things. In other words, the blessing that he was going to be given uh, uh, because of his birthright, he despised it and was more interested in the earthly things. But we see the, the complete opposite with Jacob. How that he wanted the spiritual blessings and he was even willing to fight God for it. We see that where he wrestled God all night for it. He wanted it. He desired it. He went after it. The spiritual blessings. The spiritual blessings. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you really feel blessed? I mean, do you really feel blessed? I, when you really sit back and stop and think, my soul, we've been, we've been blessed. I mean, he, he just blesses us and blesses us and just keeps on blessing us. I don't know, we might be some of the most blessed people in the world. I, I don't know. Have you ever felt like that? That your father, he just reaches down and just blesses you and blesses you and blesses you. You ever feel like that? Well, that's a good feeling, isn't it? To just know that your father's going to take care of you and he's going to take care of everything. I mean, he's, he can take, first of all, he can take care of everything. That's, that's a reassuring also. He says, who has blessed us. And then he says this, with all spiritual blessings. And then he says this, in Christ Jesus. It's because of Christ that the father blesses us. And then he blesses us with all spiritual blessings. When I read that, that all jumped out to me. You know how many blessings he's holding back from you? You know how many blessings he's holding back from you as the child of God, as being in the family of God? Do you, let me just say it a different way. Do you know what God, God owns? Do you know what God has that he's holding back from you? As a child of God, you're joint heirs with Christ. And my goodness, we are blessed. If that doesn't, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what would. I mean, just to be, uh, to be a joint heir with Christ, all spiritual blessings given to us. You say, uh, because, of my, because of all the, you know, why? Why do we get all these good blessings? Why do we get the, the, the eternal promises of God? Because of Jesus Christ. Because of Christ. Born again, adopted, joint heirs, made righteous, sanctified, complete, forgiven. All these things are things that describe what we are in Christ Jesus. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, in Christ. Boy, that, that, if you just look up that little in Christ, it's all through the New Testament. He says, if you be in Christ, in Christ, you are a... New creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know what Christ does with us when we get in Christ? He creates in us a new creation. He, he, he gives us all things new. I mean, that's, that's, that's a drastic change, isn't it? Have you ever experienced that? When, when, when you came to Christ and accepted Him and received Him and He ushered you into the body of Christ... You experience that newness, that newness, that forgiveness, those old things being passed away and the new things that he created inside of us. You know, the best way to explain it is desire, <coughs> is desire. When we, when we experience that new man in Christ Jesus, you know, I don't have to uh, explain to all of us that from time to time we have some bad desires. 
We have some bad desires. That comes with our first birth, our natural birth. But with the new birth comes new desires. And, that, and even though the, the old man, the one from the natural birth, is still alive with the new creation, you know what we begin to have? We begin to have some new desires. Some desires that, uh, that uh, come to us from the Father and come from us from the Spirit. I remember, I remember, you know, after giving my life to Christ, just, just looking around and seeing things for the first time, it seemed like. Like creation for the first time. Seeing it as, as, as just beautiful. Just recognizing it for what it was. Seeing things in a new way. Wow. Even the snow. Even the snow today. Just beautiful. New creation. This, this understanding, born of God, a child of God, uh, our position in Christ, you know, we, we begin to then take family pride. Our family responsibility. Again, I, I know I've said this so many times, but uh, uh, it's worth saying again. The highest calling that any of us could ever attain is to be a Christian. Amen. To be Christ-like. That's the highest title. That's the highest thing that we could ever say is, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. You know, so many times our title is, uh, is our image in, in society. But my soul, to think that we, we are able to call ourselves after the name of Jesus Christ. What a high calling. What a high calling. Look at Luke chapter 15. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Here, here is a popular passage of scripture. Uh, the prodigal son. The prodigal son. And you know, the prodigal son is considered by even secular uh, writers and uh, uh, folks today, scholars, as to be considered one of, if not the, greatest short story in history. It was told by Jesus Christ. This also has one of the greatest pictures of us being accepted into the family of God, being accepted by the Father. Luke chapter 15, let's just begin reading in verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said unto the father, Father, give me a portion of goods that befalleth me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, verse 13, and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance on riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself unto the citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine, and he fain had filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. Verse 17, I like this. And when he came to himself. In other words, he was sitting out there in the pig pen thinking. He was sitting out there uh, fighting for food with the pigs thinking. You know I thought it was interesting that he said he went into the far country. I don't know where you're at here this morning, but, you know, uh, sometimes we can get far away from the Father. Sometimes we can get far away from the Father. And, you know, by looking at, at this crowd here this morning, good-looking crowd, no, no way of being able to tell that, but you know your heart. You know your heart. If you're far away from the Father or not. In other words, did you fellowship with Him this morning? Did you fellowship with them this past week? 
If not, then maybe you're far away. Maybe there needs to be a time where you come to yourself and say, hey, i got to get back with the Father because this fighting for pig food stuff is no fun. He says in verse 18, I will arise and go to my Father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee repentance. And no man, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants, willing to serve the Father. And he arose and came unto his father. And when he was a great way off, his father saw him. Look at this. And had compassion. And ran. Can you picture this? You know, I can picture it because I've experienced it. I've experienced it from the Father. I experienced that just repentant and hadn't taken that first step back to Him. Where the Bible says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. And it seemed like I thought I had a long way to go to get to the Father. But as I made a few steps toward Him, He come running toward me. That's what I experienced. That's what the prodigal here has experienced. Let me just say this. If in your heart you're in the far country, you're not far from the Father. He's not far away. He's not hard to get to. He's closer than you may think. And when you begin to take after Him and go toward Him and that uh, repentance toward Him, boy, He comes with compassion running up to us. Look what He says. He ran and fell on His neck and kissed Him. And the Son said unto Him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in Thy sight and am no more worthy to be called Thy Son. And the Father said to His servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on Him. And put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring uh, hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son, he wouldn't, he wasn't going to let him be called the servant. He said, "For this my son was dead and is alive again." Picture of salvation, picture of the new birth, was lost. Picture of salvation, and is found. And they began to be merry. They began to have that fellowship. They begin to, that's the picture there that Christ wants to show us. Hey, God, God created us, and He created us for fellowship with Him. But so, so many times we love darkness rather than light, and we're attracted to that far country, and we're attracted to all those things that hurt us and destroy us, right? And break that fellowship with the Father, correct? That's what happens to us. But boy, the second we come to ourselves and bring just a little bit of repentance to the Father, I mean, he loves us up in his arms and he's so quick to forgive and he's so long-suffering. That's the God that I've experienced. A merciful, gracious, long-suffering, kind God that's so ready to be called, to call us his children. To be accepted, the Bible says, in the beloved. He's, he's just waiting to kill that padded cat and throw a party. He's waiting for that. He's waiting to bring us back into the fold. Bring us back. You know, we say we serve God. We say that. We say we serve God. And that's true. We do serve God. But we don't serve God as a servant. We serve Him as children. Whole different ballgame when you're serving uh, in the family business, isn't it? I mean, what we do with God is joint heirs with Christ. What we do with God is, hey, we're part of the family. God. We serve God, yeah, but we serve Him as sons and daughters. Much better, isn't it? What a great picture. We are secure in Christ. We are secure. I love those verses in Romans chapter 8 where Paul 
says in verse 35 through 39, what shall separate us? He asks the question, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? He says, that height, principalities, powers, things in heaven, things on earth. He names all these different things and he says, no, no, nothing's going to separate us from the love of the Father. Nothing. Boy, when we get to understand in our position in Christ, oh, it's like you're walking on water. It's, it is wonderful. And it'll help us with our mindset. It'll help us with our walk and our daily walk. And that fellowship with Him, when we recognize, when we recognize the value that He's put on us, when we recognize the love that He's given us as children, as children, this will help us with our faith. This will help us be courageous and attempt courageous things for Christ. Attempt. Attempt. (coughs) Courageous things for Christ. That that means exercise our faith. You know why? Because you're a child. You have the Father's blessing in our lives. You know, we know the story. The story of the nation of Israel. How that God called them out of Egypt. And they went through the wilderness for 40 years. But then God ultimately wanted to bring them into the promised land. Bring them into that land that He promised to them. And as we read that story and we understand that there's so many pictures and types for us today in our walk, in our Christian walk with Christ, as we're on this journey and at times we feel like we're in the wilderness on our way to the promised land and all those things. But there's some interesting thing I wanted to point out. Take your Bibles and turn. I told you we're going to turn to a few scriptures. Turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 31. So Moses, he leads them out of, the children of Israel leads them out of Egypt and into the wilderness. But before they go into the promised land, there's kind of a change in command from Moses to Joshua. To Joshua. And in Deuteronomy chapter 31, we have some counsel, last counsels of Moses to Joshua here. Pick, pick up the, the story here in verse 6. Moses, Moses talking to Joshua. Be strong, verse 6, and of good courage. Fear not. Boy, you know how many times the Bible tells us, Old Testament and New Testament, God tells the nation of Israel... God tells, you know what the Bible says, God's not given us a spirit of fear. You know what you can almost guarantee? If there's fear in your life, if there's fear in your life, it's not from God. That's simple, isn't it? He says God has not given us a spirit of fear. He, he, he makes us courageous in Christ. He says, be strong and of good courage. Fear not, neither be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. Have you ever thought about if God's with you? I mean, if God's with you, what kind of what kind of courage that gives you? You know, sometimes sometimes I've talked told you about, told you I come here sometimes and pray on Saturdays. Sometimes I just ask Him, God, are you with us? Because if you're with us, it's going to work. It's going to. I don't know how what all is going to go down, but Lord, if you're with us, that's all that matters. You know, if, you're, if He's with you in your life, if He's with you. If God's with us, He says, uh, "For the Lord thy God, He it is that doth go with thee; He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee." What a promise! Could you imagine being Joshua and hearing that promise? 
that's some good news as you're about to go into battle, isn't it? That the Lord's with you. And He won't forsake you. And He won't leave you. He says, uh, verse 8, And the Lord, He it is that doth go before thee, and He will be with thee, and He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. My point here is, God gives Joshua all these promises that God's going to be with them. God's going God's to go before them. God's going to uh, wipe out the enemies sometimes before they even get there. We see that happen. God is with them. But you know what? With promises like that, the nation of Israel still came to paralyzing fears. They would be in the middle of it. They would be in the middle of their vision, in the middle of conquering the land that God had promised them from the Nile to the Euphrates. And they'd be in the middle of taking that promised land and they would get fearful right in the middle. You know, even though we know our position in Christ and we know the blessings and we even know how this is all going to end, don't we? As, As believers, do we not have hope? in the resurrection, so we really even know how this all is going to end. But let me ask you, in your daily lives, is there not times where you still fear? Where you still have uh, paralyzing fears? Uh, things that uh, uh, stop us from moving forward in our relationship with Christ? We do, don't Just like the nation of Israel. They had some wonderful promises that God was going to be with them. God was going to be for them. God was going to go before them. Hey, as, as children, as children of God, we have some of the most wonderful promises, but we're still going to have to exercise our faith because there's still going to be those feelings, there's still going to be those doubts that get thrown at us, those issues that come at us. We're still going to have to face those fears. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. For this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Go ahead and call yourself an overcomer. You're an overcomer. Why? Because of Christ. But you know what you're still going to have to exercise? Faith. We already know that we're on our way to the promised land, don't we? We know it. We know it. But between here and there, our our faith has got to be exercised. Our faith has got to be stretched. We still have to trust God. And that's really what faith is. That's really what faith is. I, I bring up quite often here us uh, as a church being a Bible-reading church. You know why? You know why that's so important? Because that's what faith is. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is just simply reading what the Bible says and then believing it and trying it. Reading what the Bible says and then put it into practice in our lives. That's what faith is. That's what we have to do on our journey, on our walk with Christ. We can be overcomers. We can be overcomers with Christ and in Christ. But it's still going to take faith. The Bible asks this question. He says, the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? That's a good question, right? Good question to ask yourself. If God be for us, who can be against us? In other words, if God's for us, There's really no one out there that's greater than God. Greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. But there are still things that are against us. Don't think that there's still not things that are against us. Even though God's for us, there's things that are against us. By the way, sometimes we are against ourselves. 
Have you ever experienced that where you at times have been your own worst enemy? That 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 faith that is so prone to, to the negative, so prone to the doubt, so prone to the fear. There's evil out there. The Bible tells us that, hey, this world system at times is going to be against Christ. It was against Him when He was here on earth, crucified. And it's against Him today. There are some things against us, but hey, if God be for us, who can be against us? If we're trusting in Him, we're leaning on Him, we're putting our faith in Him, bring it on. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. You, you could almost get a, just a, a feeling of, go ahead, bring it on. God, God can, will deliver. You know, that's how we get when we're walking in faith, isn't it? You know, there's something that's funny. When we're walking in faith and, and, and we're fellowshipping with Christ, we're kind of like, come what may, right? God will take care of it. But then when we're walking in self, we're all, oh no, what's going to happen? I don't want that, you know, it's just so much, so different, so much fear. It's much fear-based. Kind of like the media today. It's fear-based. All just, just to our, our, our appeal to that carnal man. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, Christians, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Aren't you glad that we're not dependent on our own might, but we're depending on His strength and His power and His Knowledge and his understanding and his wisdom. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In other words, hey, if you put on Christ and you put on the power of Christ and you trust in Christ, you will be able to stand with what comes against you. The Bible never tells us that life's, uh, there's not going to be things against us. Actually, the opposite is but he does tell us that we can overcome and that we can stand and we can withstand in Christ. He says this in verse 17 of that passage of Ephesians 6. He says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I think of that helmet of, the sal- of salvation as protecting our mind, protecting our head. He says, uh, The wiles of the devil. You know what the devil throws at us many times? He throws at us doubt. Then he? He throws at us doubt and fears. But listen, if we've got this one thing under, if we've got this one thing secure, we know that we're a child of God and we know our position in Christ. It's like a helmet of salvation. It just protects that mind from those doubts and those fears, those lies that the enemy tries to throw at us constantly. That helmet of salvation, it protects it. Don't believe those lies. Those doubts that come at us every day is just part of the human experience. But to know, to know our position in Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, But as it is written, I have not seen, neither ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that the Father, that God, hath prepared for them that love Him. You know what he said? Hey, don't believe, don't believe the lies. God's got some wonderful things prepared for us. Things that our, our imagination, our eyes couldn't even comprehend. Those things that he says, uh, let not your heart be troubled, Christ. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
No, he says, don't worry about it. I've got it under control. Your future is right. As a child of God, your position in Christ. In conclusion to this message, know your position. Know your position. Don't let the enemy take that away from you. You're a child of God. In Christ Jesus because of salvation. Because of the good news of Jesus Christ. Hey, if you don't know that you're a child of God, that's got to be the most important decision that a person could ever make. Would you not agree after hearing this message that that has got to be the most important decision? To be born into His family. And then don't forget it. Understand your new creature, your new creation, that you have all these spiritual blessings, that there's nothing that the Father is holding back from us. That our destiny, just like Joshua, and just like the children of Israel, our destiny, the direction that we head, the way that we go, is dependent upon us trusting in Christ and knowing what He has given us. To be intentional in your Christian walk, to appropriate the blessings, to appropriate the gifts, to, to, to access them. Wouldn't it be terrible? Let me just say this. As, as believers, as Christians, he's, he's told us to pray. He's taught us how to pray. He's talked to us about prayer. Wouldn't it be terrible if, if we, on this earth down here, we get to heaven and find out we have the power of prayer to get a hold of God and get God to move down here on earth in our lives and in our situations and in the people around us and we didn't avail ourselves to it. In other words, we had a bank account full of blessings that we didn't tap into. I mean, he couldn't make it more clear the importance of prayer and the power of prayer. Hey, Wellspring, wouldn't it be great if we were... If we were a praying church, you you think that God answers prayer? Amen. I do. I think that God answers those prayers. And so being atten- intentional to being specific in our prayers, praying for certain things and seeking God's spirit and his will in those prayers is what prayer like. Being specific about our fears and about our, our, our day and about our, our things that we face and folks that we are praying for. I mean, this is what it talks about. Hey, how, how do we, how do we uh, uh, move forward? How do we grow? How do we walk in the Spirit as, as believers? By abiding in Christ. And how do we abide in Christ? Look, if Christ's power and His ability is the one that's going to be able to make us an overcomer and victorious in our Christian lives, really all we have to do is, all we have to do is be intentional to abide in Christ. Fellowship with Him. Prayer. Reading His promises, His his, uh, his promises in the Word of God. Being intentional. Don't worry about your condition. Remember your position. That it's going to get better. That the future is bright. future is good as a believer. Our faith, our faith, just practicing it. Again, I guess what I'd leave us with in, in closing is let's be a church that accesses the blessings of God through the scripture reading, through our prayer, through our walk with Christ. Hey, believer, child of God, this is your birthright. This is your birthright. Enjoy it. Thank Him for it. That's it. Just enjoy it. It's not something that we did. It's not something that we could do. It's all through and in Christ.